Lightning Strikes Thrice is part of the Pitch Drop Podcast Network, please check out our Patreon page and consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash pitch drop. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice. It's a Final Fantasy Thirteen Games Club podcast. We are continuing our discussion of Episode 5 through the end of the story. Last time, Noel and Sarah escape from their dream worlds and find lightning in New Bodum 700 AF. And from there, they head to Academia 500 AF to prevent Caius from destroying the new arc as it launches up into space. So now we unlocked the last area for the main stretch of the game, Academia 500 AF. So we enter the same area of Academia that we've been running around, except now the sky is cluttered with endless cubic shapes moving around. It's kind of similar to the Orphan's Cradle part at the end of the game, at least visually. But not shitty? Yeah, but not shitty, and also, like, you have to interact with it in a way that you didn't have to, and it's not nearly as long as Orphan's Cradle. Orphan's Cradle was way too long. So a paradox has engulfed academia, and Caius is going to be there soon to sabotage the launch of the new cocoon and bring ruin to all of humanity and time, and Sarah and Noel have to move. Why didn't Caius just give Alyssa a gun and she could have just shot Hope? What happens to Alyssa, by the way? Is she just gone for the game? No. Wait, no, yeah, she is. Yeah, she doesn't exist because you've solved that paradox. Yeah, but there's like, you don't end up with any closure to that. She just goes, ha, I tricked you because I want to keep living and I'm supposed to be dead. And then you just kind of keep moving and never hear about her again for the rest of the game. Well, that's because from Hope's timeline and everything, Alyssa just ceased to exist and he did the shit all on his own. Weird. It's time travel. It's kind of weird how they don't have any closure for it, though, because That's what, this is point, a very, yeah. like, this is a character that is so relevant for majority of the game, and all of a sudden she just sort of vanishes. That's literally what happens, though. I, I know, but it's like, it's weird. It's not great. Because that's not what Final Fantasy does usually. They're usually uh, not settled at all, they're operatic, and they. stuff like that. I'm going to be honest, I kind of think that's why the only paradox ending that involves her is such a hammy farce mm-hmm. is because it's basically lampshading yeah nothing happens to you other than you go back to disappearing it's like no now you're going to time jail for your time crimes i like that better 
Sure. <laughs> I like time grabs. Yeah. <sighs> this dungeon utilizes a lot of platforming and jumping, and the game recommends the player obtain a jumping fragment skill that allows the heroes to hover for a bit. And okay. good luck trying to do this without that hover skill. I did, I did that. I, I did, did that, that the first time. The first time I never had any fragments. Any fragment skills. I just somehow never went in there. The jumping is not really that bad because like it's not like there are any jumps. The problem is that you have to jump, period. Because <laughs> I like the, l- let me tell you, the number of times I like thought I hit the button and then I just fell down into a hole was a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> but enough, there are also a lot annoying. of times where I mistimed it and using hover jump just stood hovered over while it rotated and then just landed. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably say the actual layout here are a bunch of sky pathways on cubes and various surfaces. Some of these cubes are rotating in multiple directions and you have to time your leap to them or mm-hmm. wait for them to have a certain face come up because there's a treasure on it or whatever. Right. And I don't know why, like, the final challenge of this game has to be platforming. <laughs> it's just, it, I, I don't get it. The reason I added my own little note there is because this feels, if you told me Tetsuya Nomura had any hand in this game, I would say, oh, it's 100% this part. Mm-hmm. Because this is a very end of Kingdom Hearts, you have all your traversal powers, go fucking hog wild moment. I right. It. And I love yeah. that, like, one of my favorite things in that entire series is the bonus dungeon they put into two final mix where it's just a giant jungle gym for all your flight and hovering and crazy powers in that game. But it feels very weird here, especially it when does. the game explicitly tells you if you suck at platforming, there's a way to cheat this. Yeah, it's a band-aid. And like it's kind of weird because there are sections that it seems like there are treasure spheres you can't get without certain fragment skills and there's somewhere you have to jump down and then just basically kill yourself to warp back you know death warp back to uh back to the map um, again. you're supposed to mog toss for some of those oh i just jumped down there you could just jump down there <laughs> yeah you yeah, can but I, just I bet if you didn't like you didn't jump down there personally it'd be uh, it'd be like you know you wouldn't get the yeah. map percentage you know right you have to oh go yeah down that, there too. Personally. that too yeah, no, like there's also there if is one I, I tried I tried to throw, but I didn't have the distance to throw him. Gotcha. Yeah. So I thought you'd have to like anti grav, like not just like slow like the big jump, but like the anti grav thing where you just float over there. Yeah, it's the one all the way da- super far down on the right hand side. Yeah, that that's the one I jumped down to. There's one on the left side that I don't think you can throw Mog to. Yeah, I want to say this this map is a mirror from memory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, full mirror, all the treasures, everything. Yeah. It's better than Orphan's Cradle by a fair bit. But then also, like, some of these areas, the battles come up so fast. There's a section in here where, like, you take two steps and you, you're in another battle. You take two steps. That's because there are battle. some points where they're hardwired. Like, yeah. halfway up the stairs, if you cross this line in either direction, there will be an encounter. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. That's no fun. And there's nope. there's actually one battle I ended up skipping past by retrying and taking two steps because, ah, oh, fuck that fight. Yeah. So at this point, if you have not put together how this game is going to end repeatedly, Yule is going to give a quick warning from the void saying, hey, don't kill the goddess. Do not kill the goddess. Absolutely do not under any circumstances let Etro die. 
Then two deer show up and fight you. No, they're like fucking giraffes. They're like giraffes. Uh, yeah. They're halfway between deer and giraffe. Giraffe, if you will. They look like, <laughs> if you are familiar with the works of Rail Slave Games, there's a giraffe mascot in one of those titles who's kind of a humanoid. Mm-hmm. They're they're very familiar to that, except they're made out of blue and red crystal. No, right. they're the RE6 logo minus the blowjob. Let me find this picture while y'all do that. Describe the boss fight. All right. Well, you fight these fucking giraffes, Luvalite and Amethyst. They have a lot of HP. They can do a lot of damage, depending. If you kill one and you don't kill the other one in like a minute... The one you killed revives, so you have to take them out in somewhat quick succession. Yeah, it's kind of like a Throne Watcher, Throne Defender kind of a thing. You have to, like, whittle them both down and then kill them one, two. Aside from the revival trick, this boss wasn't too hard for me. Especially with defensive buffs, I was not taking a lot of damage. The only thing that really hurt me was their one super move, but even that was very manageable. Well, I was still trying to use a uh, coolest monster in the game uh, from the area we didn't talk about. So he did not have a lot of hit points. So this was very hard. Yeah, no, this. Uh, well, I got caught by the, the gimmick the first time that that is a picture. Told you. <laughs> Can you see, see where I'm coming from that? Yeah, but that is definitely a giraffe. No, let's click. Yes. It's in the well, it's in the put slide. it in the show anyway. notes. People will agree with me. <laughs> OK, I don't know. Maybe if they're really, really high. Anyway, for the first time in years, and the first time in this playthrough, I got a trophy for beating this battle five stars. You get a trophy for that? Dude, I got a five stars somehow, even though one of them revived. I got like four stars, and I had to do a second run where I had, yeah, because I got caught by the revive trick. Hmm. But yeah, this was hard. I was taking a lot of damage. At this point, I mean, I was using a uh, silver chocobo as my sentinel in most of my paradigms. But at this point, I did not have a tortoise, like an all sentinel, just tank everything paradigm. So I probably could have used that for these guys because they just throw a lot of AOE attacks at you. And when they double up it, that can do a lot of damage. Yeah. Have you guys like noticed? I don't know, like the healing, this late game healing felt a little anemic. I didn't have a healing paradigm monster. I guess, but like, I feel like a lot of times I was struggling to heal up quickly with Noel and Sarah being healers. Hmm. I don't know why you took so much AOE damage. Silver Chocobo does, in fact, have Fringe Ward. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know what? I might not have unlocked Fringe Ward at that point. I think I was like two skills away from maxing it out because I ran out of essences. It turns out to be the best fucking ability in the game, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I ended up leveling it up to at least one more i think death ward is the one i didn't get at the end of the game but at this point i, I don't think i had fringe ward either anyway <laughs> this is like the first time in a while like i felt there was a boss fight that was both challenging and had a gimmick well get ready for the rest of the game yeah and then there's and then there's this last bit yeah get ready for the coliseum just the whole rest of this game is that mm-hmm. up ahead yule's voice is heard again uh she warns the heroes again the heroes press forward believing that they will fix the paradoxes by defeating Caius. Caius attacks and summons Bahamut. Does he summon Bahamut or does he turn into Bahamut? He turns it's into little... it, but it seems like he's summoning it at first. Yeah, because like, usually when there's an Eidolon, you usually saw the character like hanging out with the Eidolon or riding the Eidolon. In this case, uh, Caius just turns into Bahamut. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference between an Eidolon and Chaos. I guess, yeah. 
Also, Saz has his fucking kid in his ship. Yeah, don't, yeah, that's right. Don't bring your kid to the final boss battle. That's that's irresponsible. That seems wildly, wildly irresponsible. Okay, that makes sense if you've done his DLC. It makes slightly more sense if you like one percent like, more. I don't know. I guess if everyone else is going to die regardless, it doesn't matter where your kid is. <laughs> I'm just saying. I understand why after that quest, he would absolutely not let Saz or Dodge out of his sight for two days. That's fair. And anyway, so Hope and the Academy ships show up and pin Bahama down, hop on Saz's ship, and you start a boss battle with KS Bahamut on top of the uh, ship. stage of the final battle, the heroes fight Chaos Bahamut as he transforms between aerial and hovering modes and changes his attack patterns. Like, there's not much to this fight. It's pretty quick. He doesn't have a lot of HP. Uh, I think he has, like, a Giga Flare move while he's in his aerial mode, but other than that, it's pretty simple. The first time I fought this guy, I don't know what it was, but Sarah got wounded, like, horribly, and I only had half of her health left by the time I beat it. Um, most of these Bahamuts rely on wounds. It's a kind of timer to basically go, if you cannot deal with this, you need to go grind. Right. But it's funny because I guess I, when I came back, I was much stronger and I didn't notice it as much. But I felt like this time the wounding was only affecting Sarah significantly. Or like I would get hit by one attack and it would do a lot of wounding damage. Hmm. Was Sarah a sentinel in one of your paradigms? No, I didn't have Sarah as a sentinel in at all okay. until uh, well at least on the first attempt because i was gonna say vendetta carries like that targeting lock carries for a time mm-hmm. regardless of whether that character is still a sentinel or not right because they're on timers yeah yeah that would make a sense yeah but this was a pretty hectic fight for me the first time through and the second time through it was a breeze yeah this one was pretty easy yeah this is a pretty quick one there's really not much to say about this fight compared to where we go with it but Bahamut rams the ship, everyone's staggered, and then Bahamut becomes Caius again. He tells Sarah, F off, you're going to die changing the future like every other Yule. And Sarah, because she is the protagonist of the game, tells him to shove it, we're going to fix the future right here, right now, with a blade in your throat. And then we fight Caius. It's not very different from other Caius fights, other than the numbers are way higher. My first playthrough of the game just could not like DPS this guy down, so I never got anywhere past this. It's funny. I thought this was the it was like way easier than like when you ran into him in Awareba 200 AF for the first time. Like I was worried that I was going to end up in one of those loops where he's got that slow auto heal and I just wasn't going to be able to get consistent damage on him. But I just like rushed him down. Yeah, you just poison him and then blow him away because the poison just basically completely negates the healing. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Caius poison. is always vulnerable to poison. 
You don't even need the poison. I had some trouble with this boss. Uh, I guess like I couldn't get debuffs to land, so he was kind of hard, especially towards the end. It was really hard to just get rid of that last few HP he had. He has really high debuff resistance if you don't stagger him first. Oh, you gotta stagger him first. Yeah, he's got really low stagger resistance, but he resets his uh, chain. He has like a move that's like chain break. Yeah. And that just resets yep. everything. So you have you have like a limited amount of time to get him up there and do significant damage, but it's not enough to really, you know, I five star these fights easily. Yeah. So we kill him and then we go to a cutscene where Nolan Kaius fight. Well, we're in Valhalla now, right? Mm, we're about to go to Valhalla. Or is this uh, there's one more fight before Valhalla? Well, yeah. No, the second fight with Kaius is Valhalla and then it resets and then you do a third fight with Kaius. Yeah, uh-huh. the second fight is basically two rounds. Mm-hmm. So, Caius says he's going to destroy the timeline again. A uh, big rift in the sky opens. Caius turns into Bahamut, but uh, when Hope and the Academy approach, Sarah says, go protect the pillar, and Sarah and Noel jump into the void. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They arrive in Valhalla, and Odin comes down in horse form and catches them, and there's a... They do a little banter. Oh, did lightning send this? And Noel's like, oh, it was a present from her. Yay, whatever. Odin is then like zapped immediately and dies. <laughs> yeah, Odin <laughs> jobs to Kai pretty hard. Uh, like same thing with like uh, the Shiva sisters at the beginning of the game. Like Caius just has no time for Eidolons. That mechanic is behind us. Yeah, because we haven't used it at all. <laughs> yeah, that's that's straight up it. This is an escalation thing. Mm hmm. So they end up on the beaches of Valhalla, very much like Inception, actually, <laughs> a little bit. And then you end up in a boss fight, Caius Part 2. Yep, uh, this battle has two rounds, like I said before, but is otherwise not that different from other Caius battles. He just, like, you beat him once, he falls, and he revives like he usually does at the end of battles, but then you just fight him again, his HP recovers. Now... I got into a groove with this fight, so I guess I just found it easier. Maybe I just figured out how to uh, deal more damage over time, but it was an easier fight than the first time for me. He doesn't have a lot of HP, it seems. No. Caius is just a DPS race. Yeah, I felt like, I remember when I first fought Caius, like when he did like heart and soul and he got buffed up and, you know, he had haste on him, he would end up like completely wrecking somebody unless there was a, a sentinel tanking it. I mean, I always had a Sentinel off, so I guess it wasn't that big of a deal. But, like, I didn't feel like I had to stop to heal almost ever in this fight. Well, you were also super underpowered at, like, a Werba 200. That was very I, I guess it, that, I guess that's true. For what it's worth, I know I have been the biggest defender of this game going through this whole thing. But this is probably one of the most inexcusable bits of reuse, just doing this fight repeatedly over and over in this endgame. Yeah, having to do it twice, not fun. <laughs> it's, it's just the fact that there's really no variation between all these forms. You just get interrupted with a cutscene here and there. Yeah, they could have cut one of these out and then made one of those fights longer but different, and I would have been okay yeah, with it. Yeah, that's kind of where I stand on this. It's just the repetition. This is just buffering, and there's no break to save between all of these. So you basically, even for a game with quick combat, this can start to drag a little if you're not up on your skill. I was kind of worried because I wasn't like sure if I was like prepared enough to take on, you know, the fourth stage of this final boss fight. We'll get yeah. to that. I was not. <laughs> and I had to do it over again. Oh, damn Ooh, it. I'm sucks. sorry. 
Yeah. I did it like five times. Jesus. I spent, oh. I spent like three hours on the last boss. Well, yeah, that's what I did. Like, I got to, okay, let's get to the last boss, and then we'll talk about how the last yeah, boss. let's talk about the last boss. The last boss is cool. Okay, let's, here, let me quickly run through all the cutscene crap that happens in this fight. Noel is arguing that Yule wouldn't want him to do this. Caius gives the most ham-handed, awfully memorable line in the game, talking about how he has known hundreds of Yules, a Yule who loved to paint, a Yule who was fond of horses, a Yule who <laughs> looked up some really creepy shit on the academia and that we don't talk about, but I'm kind of glad she's gone, etc. <laughs> yeah, Caius talks about how there are all these Yules out there, all these Yules, and they're all unique, but damn, they all just seem like the same vending machine waifu to me. I mean, like, look, they kind of skipped over the ones that were into hentai doujinshi, you know? <laughs> I like how we both went the same horrible place with that. <laughs> hey, it's it's called Yes And. Chris, you should <laughs> learn this. <laughs> uh, Noel argues that his, his Yule, because he only had one of them, was smiling when she died because she believed in the future. Even though she died a bunch of times, she was going to come back to be with Caius. Caius says, yo, fuck you, buddy. And Noel just gets a cheap shot in on him during this. It looks seriously painful. He gets, like, a good uppercut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good scene, but unfortunately, it's not a killing blow, and Caius starts leaking black smoke, and we are at final boss town. Another Bahamut appears, shoots a ball of flame, knocks the heroes unconscious. They wake up in an underwater void before they are rescued by lightning and brought to final destination, basically. <laughs> Once again, I, I mentioned Nomura feeling about this game. This is the opening to the first Kingdom Hearts. And then Master Hand shows up, and that's the final <laughs> boss. Final D, no items. I mean, items are really useless at this point in the game. Yeah. Okay, I was disappointed here going into this final fight because I really wanted Lightning to be there as a fourth character. Like, why isn't that why? happening? She's because so unlikable. Who gives a shit? Because if this you're whole me, game... you brought her in as your monster. Fair. But like, at this point, like, okay, I guess that's why they couldn't do it because you couldn't have two lightnings. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah. You're right, right. But like, for me, like, playing through this game, this whole game, the impetus was go find lightning, go save lightning. You show up in Valhalla at the end of the game, lightning just kind of goes tuxedo mask. I'm going to keep using these references. Like, shows up, does one thing, and then pieces out. And then it's like Sailor Moon is banned on this show for the record. (laughs) There will be no more Sailor Moon talk. You could talk about it in our next podcast after this. You got the wrong host, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had to start a pilot anime podcast just to quarantine this shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're fighting three Bahamuts. Tell me about these three Bahamuts. All right. So there is Jet who is the big bad, the one you actually need to kill to finish the fight. Bahamut 002. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I'm missing the reference. <laughs> no, you're not! No, I'm We're really gonna not. talk about it in 20 minutes! Okay. I'm thinking about getting a tattoo of that dude. <laughs> uh, and he's being guarded by Amber and Garnet Bahamut. You have to kill Amber and Garnet uh, in order to get to Jet. What happens is if you kill one of them, it starts a timer till they get revived. So you want to, again, like with the giraffes, you want to kill them in quick succession. So you have plenty of time to fight. Don't do that. Why would you do that? 
I mean, like, ideally, because you have, like, the maximum amount of time in order to fight Jet, because it'll... They die so fast! No, he did not die fast for me. This was a long fight. This was a 20-minute fight. Okay. Well, okay, so the way this fight articulates, right, is mm-hmm. Garnet Bahamut is basically a commando. Yep. He'll do uh, just a fuckload of damage to your dudes, and the other guy is just, here's a lot of magic and debuffs. And then Jet Bahamut is just a lot of damage. Yeah, like, the magic guy dies very quickly, but for me, like, Garnet took a little while to knock him down. And the first time I tried this, it took so long to kill the second guy that Jet showed up for, like, two minutes and then revived the other guy. Or, like, less than a minute and then revived the other guy. So I did, like, zero damage to Jet because I couldn't even build a chain on him. If you want maximum time to get Jet down, you want to kill them in quick succession. Like, whittle them both down, then just go bam, bam. And then fight the other guy. Yeah. So this is the fight where I discovered a mechanic that has been in there since the beginning of 13, where every 10 seconds, if you paradigm change, you just get a full ATB bar. Is Does that work for this one, though? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did not I, I did not know this. Uh, I, was like, I, I heard about it after the fact when I was looking up, like, strategies. But I, I read it as if you run two full ATB bars in one paradigm and then you shift? It's just 10 seconds? It's just 10 seconds. Every 10 seconds your next switch is a full bar. That's crazy. At first, this fight was very long because just and I I did it a ton of times because like some dumb shit would happen, right? Like we'd lock in an attack, like we'd lock in Ultima Arrow and while the animation was happening the Mega Flare just happened Right as Mega Flare was about to happen, another Bahamut showed up and I took triple damage, right? Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of dumb shit like that kept happening. Yeah. And then eventually my Paradigm deck was like two Paradigms that were three times Commando, one that was three times Ravager, one triple Sentinel, and then I think I had a Sentinel Medic Medic, and then a Commando Medic and um, Noel as the uh, Synergist. Mm-hmm. That Paradigm was really good for just shrugging off all of the debuffs very quickly. Right. Because he does, like, AoE Protect, which just counteracts all that other shit. Yeah. So, basically, all you really do is you switch into Triple Sentinel whenever you're about to take any large amount of damage. Mm -hmm. And then you do your ATB reset between two Commando Paradigms. So, you're just doing, like, two full six-meter bars of Commando at this point. And you just do so much damage so fast. It went so quick. Yeah, see, I wasn't doing that. (laughs) Uh, I I did Well, I wasn't the first... Four times either. Yeah. Apparently, my notes say I spent four hours on this boss fight. It took me all day yesterday. I already had beaten the giraffes yesterday when I went to go finish the game. And it took me so long because I was like, fuck this. This isn't going to happen. I have to go do a bunch of side shit. And then I came back and barely won. (laughs) Oh, dude, I was up until like 2 a.m. the day I did this. And I'm Uh, like, time to beat the game. It's 8 p.m. Can't uh, take that long. uh, Yeah, no, same, same. I was using Saboteur as sort of like a like holding debuffer sort of pseudo commando while I was also doing some either ravaging or buffing. I used Vigilance a lot because like a lot of the attacks from Garnet will knock you in the air. And if you have Vigilance on, you could just shrug that off and keep going. Like Vigilance is a really underrated buff, in my opinion. It's like the only one I intentionally used. Yeah, I think this battle is really cool for a final boss. Three Bahamuts are a lot better than a lot of other Final Fantasy Final Boss battles. It's a good concept for a final battle, even if the the pipeline from failure to frustration is pretty short, because if you're doing that loop of like falling Bahamuts and 
dealing damage to Jet and he's recovering, it can get frustrating. I struggle to keep up with uh, Jet's HP regen while he is guarded by his allies. But what really got me was the ailments he throws whenever he like reappears to like so you can attack him because he does that like wave attack and it puts a whole bunch of debuffs on you, including slow. I think it's break curse. Is yeah, that's it. it. With yeah. all the debuffs and heavy damage he can do, it's a hard time. It it can get really hard to find the time to deal damage to him. But I still love this battle. That move is why I had the uh, the medic synergist and uh, commando paradigm. Yeah, that could get real nasty. And then he sends out seeds of destruction, which are bombs that eventually blow up. And then he sends out dark fire, you know, which is an AOE attack. And then we've alluded to it. But once you uh, get to jet once when he's in the background, he'll start doing a flare attack on a timer. And I didn't realize that. I, I guess it does increase damage when there's more than one Bahamut there. Yeah, the damage scales with the number of Bahamuts because they all do it. Yeah. So you have to like keep an eye on Jet to see if it starts counting down, which I mean that's a callback to I mean Bahamut's always done like mega flares on a timer, right? Like every time he pretty much shows up in the game. Generally. Yeah. yeah. I know he does it in eight. Four. If four was the first wait, I think he even did it in three. No, he didn't. He didn't do it in three. No. Yeah, but that's that's a gimmick that Bahamut's done forever. So it's it's nice to see it come back. But if you're not prepared or if you get caught off guard and you're not in a tortoise paradigm, like, good luck. <laughs> you're probably dead. The nice thing, though, is that if you die here, or I believe, I don't know if you die here, you can reset at the beginning of this battle. You don't have yeah. to go back to the chain of boss battles at the beginning. Yeah. That was not the case with Caius Part 1 on top of the ship. Which is why I just fucking uninstalled the game when I could not beat him because you had to fight the fucking first Chaos Bahamut over and over again. Ooh, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. But anyway, eventually you win. Yay! Eventually. Yay. Vanquishing Jet Muhammad, the heroes return to the beaches of Valhalla. Caius reappears, weakened. He must have Noel kill him, and golds Noel into doing so by attacking Sarah. The player has the choice to execute or spare Caius, but regardless of what the player chooses, eventually Caius just takes Noel's blade and pierces himself with it personally. I actually really love that. Yeah. Because this is his entire goal. He doesn't care what you say. He just grabs your arm and runs himself onto your sword through the heart. Yeah. Also, if you're mean, you're not paying enough attention to the plot. You just pick execute anyway. (laughs) (laughs) 
anytime the game says, you know what to do, you've been paying attention, right? My answer is always, nope. For what it's worth, you get bonus accessories doing that sometimes, so I get it. Anyhow, we resolved the paradox. The gates to Valhalla and Chaos are closing. Sarah feels great. And everyone leaves the void at the end of time to go back to the Academia launch party. I love how they just assume that Lightning and Snow are just going to be there somehow. (laughs) Yeah. They kind of like lampshade it where it's like, let's pick this timeline to live the rest of our lives. And no, we won't be able to hop through time anymore. But Let's just hope that the people we care about made it to the same spot. <laughs> also, technically, this means there's going to be a Caius running around for another 200 years. Potentially. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but there's also, like, the assumption that lightning is there is very weird because Caius does this thing like, I killed lightning already. And it's like, well, no, I I didn't kill her. I put her to sleep. She's asleep at the throne of Etro or something. And then at the end, they're just like, oh, lightning's fine. He was lying, but she's probably hanging out in 500 AF. It's cool. Our heroes are not the brightest. No. 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 Nope. 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 (laughs) The Academy and Saz retrieve the crystallized vanillin fang from the pillar before it collapses. The artificial cocoon activates and floats into the sky. Hope, because he's an idiot, named it Bunavelza. Oh, God. And that's something I only catch now. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, we get a nice mm. pop song here. I like some of the instrument uh, instrumentation. It sounds kind of sixties. It's so much better than the one at the end of the last. Yeah, game. Yeah, well, this one was meant yeah. for this game. It's not a Leona Lewis song from two thousand four that one of the creators really liked. I don't know about that. I'm going to have to revisit this because my reaction to that was okay. They're pulling the same trick as they did in thirteen. There's a Western pop song in here. Hi, this is Matt cutting in to say I did a little bit more research on the song here. The song that plays during the ending cutscene was specifically recorded for the Western release of the game. It is New World by the artist formerly known as Sharice Pampanko, whom just last year in 2017 has transitioned to male and now goes by the stage name Jake Cyrus. And then the tone of it continues to be cheery as stuff goes to shit. And it gets really yeah. weird. Yeah, It rules. I'm like, how am I supposed to feel right now? I don't Matt, know. that's an anime trope. I sent <laughs> you that video. You should know that. Tumbling I kind of like down, it, though. Yeah, that's exactly what down. I was thinking. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. The, that's what I sent Matt. Because Matt will forget about that before we get there. So, perfect. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if tumbling down was the start of that. Because it definitely seems like everyone saw the end of Evangelion. Be like, okay, let's do that. What a good movie. It's it's one of my favorites. We're really just doing this podcast so I can make you watch The End of Evangelion. That's all right. (sighs) That's fine. That's fine. I wanted to watch it anyway, eventually. Ah, Um, But anyway, Sarah and Noel pop out of a portal and Saz catches them. Well, I mean, no, they just kind of land there. (laughs) They land on a plane. They just fucking like belly flop onto an airplane. Right. I mean, like, look, they're magic. They have magic. It's fine. Let's just accept that. I mean, we have anti-grav jump now. At least I do. Yeah. No, they have the anti-matter manipulation principle. Don't worry about it. (laughs) You said it right this time. Good on you. Fuck you. (laughs) You know what? The only reason I remembered that is I went to go say it and then knew you were going to correct me. (laughs) Perfect. And that's how I remembered what it was called. Hey, hey, if you want to really get nuts with that, we should do that Xeno Saga podcast we joked about. There's some techno babble for you. 
Let's do it. Let's do we it. We talk about Z- We could probably talk about Xenosaga after Lightning Returns. Nice. <sighs> anyway, but also I think I don't know if we mentioned it here, but there's a point where Saz mentions that they chipped out Vanille and Fang out of the pillar before it collapsed, so they're okay. Which why didn't anybody think of that before? <laughs> Was that all we needed to do? Well, they're at the center of it, but with the thing so damaged, no one cares anymore. Yeah, I, I guess. Well, I guess not everyone's like left cocoon, so no one's on there anymore. Yeah. So, like, anyway, they uh, they chiseled them out, which is funny because you remember in thirteen where Snow tried to chisel out Sarah and it just wasn't happening. Apparently, they got better tools. <laughs> well, they're all gods now. I, I guess. I mean, is okay, a god? Wait. Here's a question. Here's yeah. a question. If you're going to make a new fake moon to live in, why would you make it shitty in the exact <laughs> same way as the other one? I had the same thought. I had the yeah, same thought. Yeah, it looks thought. so unfinished. Well, how else are they going to get sunlight in there? I don't know. <laughs> don't make it also, I forgot that I forgot to yell about, they decide to live in 500 AF, not the time where snow and lightning live, which was the whole point of the game. Well, that's what I said. I said, like, they just picked that time and said, well, I, we're just going to assume they're going to be there. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. I forgot to yell about this. Well, I, that's I, all right. I, no, don't worry. It's been noted. It's been noted. Once again, <laughs> okay. our heroes are not smart. No. No. And we find out exactly how unsmart they are by what happens next. Hope arrives to see what happened. Everything was fine, he says. But then darkness engulfs the sky and the land. Mog collapses. Cradled by hope, Mog tells him that the goddess is gone. The no, chaos- no, no. Mog says, and I remember this line verbatim, the goddess is dead, Kupo. <laughs> <laughs> also, no looks so ugly in CGI. Yeah, he does. He does not fit in with everybody else who looks like a person. The chaos of Valhalla is unleashed. The Academy headquarters transforms into the Temple of Etro, and inside, Lightning sits on the throne. She has turned to stone. And that's it. She's like naked in gold body paint. There's... There's a little more epilogue here, but I think we're doing it next round. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also Sarah dies as we. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> like up here. Also, Mog dies. Yeah. Well, yeah, she dies Mog's first. last words are the goddess is dead, Kupo, and he croaks in Noel's arms. Also, yeah. we we forgot to mention the part where they finally make their stupid sentence for the game actually make sense by adding a sentence. They go, if you change the future, you change the past. The effects ripple up and down the timeline. That's all you would have had to say the first time for me to not be mad at this every time you say it. Mm-hmm. So, do you want me to spell out the Caius thing? Because you said you were still confused. Yeah, no, tell me the thing. Okay, Caius has two plans going. One of them is sabotage Cocoon. This is a decoy. The entire reason he's doing that is to get the hero swept up into crap and following him. They think by stopping him, they save the future. Caius wants to be at the end of time, get stabbed in the heart by Noel. Then he can die outside of time, fuck Etro over, and just be done with it. Like, does him dying outside of time mean anything? Like, Yeah, if- he, will, he will revive if he does not die at the end of time. All right, so I get it. Right, but like, and... So why specifically Noel and not Lightning? Like, what if Lightning stabbed him in the chest during that battle? Plot magic. 
Yet it wouldn't work, <laughs> and we also know he has already taken care of her because of the DLC. Yeah, like, Lightning is out of the picture, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, at the end of the game, yeah. Yeah, she she lost at the beginning. Yep. And that's the thing. He needs Noel to punk him because Goddess Blade kills Goddess Heart. He's got a Goddess Blade? Yeah, remember we were yeah. talking about uh, Etro's Vitamix being Noel's Blades? Yeah. Yeah, but, like, I don't remember catching that. Any, that's not anyway. a, that wasn't a joke. No. I, I totally missed that that was a plot thing. No, but, like, yeah. what really yeah. is his weapons? Is it, like, it's not called the Vitamix of Etro. No, we're just going to call it the Vitamix of Etro because it's funnier. Well, what is it then? Is it like the the arm of Etro? Is it like the knife of Etro? Let's just say it's a fang. It's a fang of Etro. That's good enough. Yeah. I guess it has two attachments. All right. So wrapping it up, do we have any closing thoughts on the video game? Uh, yes, I do. This game was never my favorite. After, even after playing it the first time, I didn't like it as much as the first game. And my goodwill towards it the music and the nonlinearity quickly wore out when I was playing it this playthrough. There are some cool ideas here in this game, and it's not a train wreck, but overall, this experience was severely lacking for me. I don't think any of the systems are interesting. I wasn't really excited to play it, and I'm glad to be almost done with it because it's not a fun game for me. Game rules, DLC rules. Yeah. See me in two weeks, nerds. Fight me. Yeah. I think it's really good. This is like for me, I think this is like in the upper ten percent of JRPGs. It's not like like an upper upper echelon, but it's like a good example of the platonic JRPG, right? This is a solid B tier game. Yeah, yeah, I would I would concur with that. For me, I liked it. I expected better to than do Chrono Trigger. You know what I mean? Like I I felt like it was it started to get into the end game before it kind of started. I felt like it was going to address more stuff with the other characters from 13 because they kind of just it kind of feels like they ran out of money and they decided just to end it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again, yeah, like, OK, once you hit Academia, once you get back to 400, right? Right. Like 400, the game is like actually starting to end right away. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how quickly it accelerates. And like to me, like it hasn't worn out its welcome. You know, I was still enjoying it, but the thing that was frustrating about it, because like, I don't know, my, my play clock is probably under 40 hours right now. So like, that's, that's a pretty short JRPG, uh, especially compared to the last game where there were st- sections that just dragged on forever. Like, oh you know, God. chapters nine, like the whole game, 10, 11. So I think it's a better game. And I like that, like some of the narrative stuff that happens, they actually set up and then pay off properly in the ending here. Like, the whole thing about Sarah being like Yule and seeing the timeline and that shortening her life, and then they actually go through with it. Like, that's good. They actually, like, there was a Chekhov's gun, and it went off. They did it right this time. I love that they are constantly hammering on, no, don't do this, don't do this, this is bad, absolutely. And they pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, I double-dog dare you, motherfucker, and they did. Yeah. (laughs) So... There was all these new systems, which I thought were at the beginning were like neat and I was going to have a different experience. But I didn't end up doing that much different throughout the game in terms of like the strategy of how I played these fights. Like my paradigm. Yeah, it's too easy for the depth that it has. Yeah, because like, I get thought to the arena battles, at least like 13 forced me to rethink and juggle things around. And I felt like I was engaging it on that level 
this, I was like, I felt I picked a reasonably optimal play style, like reasonably optimal. And I was able to make my way through without too much suffering at the back half of this game with the occasional difficulty spikes with these couple of bosses at the end. So, I mean, I wish there was more lightning in it. I wish there was more Fang and Vanille in it. And like, if you think about like the characters that actually have any growth, it's really just Noel because Sarah just, she shows up, she's timid. Then she just starts doing the thing and then she gets better. And then she, it, it doesn't feel like it ends anywhere. No, like it's a lot. It's an interesting story, but it's not a character story. No, no, not for her anyway. And the thing is, yeah. I like Sarah a lot as a character compared to lightning because she's given so much more time to talk and emote and behave. She's like lightning it, didn't really do anything in the last game. All that. No, much. lightning was deliberately awful. Yeah, but I can't say Sarah is necessarily a good character. I just, you know, I enjoyed that she was on screen. So, like, all in all, yeah, I would say, like, it's definitely a B-plus game. And if you're curious about the uh, the systems of 13 and you don't want to play 13, I would say play don't this play one. 13. I mean, I think you can jump right into this one and the other I legitimately really say jump right to two. Yeah, no- nothing happens in 13 that matters at all until the very end anyway, which is retconned. I just think it would be weird if you get to the end of this game and then Fang and Vanille show up in the dream and you're like, why do I care about these people? <laughs> that's about it, though. Like you have that's the only backstory. But a lot of that's also in data logs and uh, for the fragments, I guess. So like you could learn about that stuff in this game, having not played the first one. But like you should probably read like a rough synopsis of 13 just or so that you're not confused. Just watch the video Square Enix put out before Lightning Returns and stop when you get to the 13 two part. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I, I'm that gonna video's fucking great. I'm going to post that. Should I post that in the show notes for this episode or yeah. should I do it before? Yeah, just yeah let's do it for this one. Catch okay. people up if they haven't gotten the plot from us and now they're all on board. Yeah, no, that, that video is really cool. Yeah, so, I mean, good game. I'm really glad yeah, I played it. And- clearly one team within Square Enix who just likes doing random sprite work bits because that's not the first time they've done that. Mm-hmm. At one point, they released a very brief summary, and this was an actual Square Enix thing, just summing up the entirety of the original Guards plot. Really? I missed this. That seems, it, like, impossible to do. <laughs> it's it's only in Japanese. It's not translated. Oh. But it takes you through Kaim wrecking a shop on everyone, meeting the dragon, and then it fast-forwards over the entirety of the game by just having him fly up, go to Tokyo Tower, and land on it dead. All right, you can get in touch with us via Twitter or Facebook at LightXThrice, so please do that. You can listen to my other podcast on the network, Magmar Sucks, where we are stack-ranking Pokemon based on how interesting they are. Do you guys have anything to share with the listeners? I do not believe so at this moment, other than probably by the time you've heard this, we would have started uh, the public version of Boku No Stop, but that was probably months ago at this point. <laughs> Uh, go check that out. We're watching Evangelion, and that's uh, Fletcher and Chris here with me. This is my first time through it. So. Anyway, uh, go to verse two. Uh, I'm still doing that uh, Let's Play of New Threat, a gameplay mod for Final Fantasy VII. It's been kind of slow lately because I have been busy with things, uh, but it's still going. And I'm getting... I'm still getting towards the end. Not much else to say. 
I continue to have the website hellscaper.com and can be found at Twitter at Bustrider. That is all until next time, folks, where we will be talking about the side quests remaining in the game, DLCs, and the incredibly minor amount of post-game content in this game. Spoilers, most of it is just letting you screw around with whatever you didn't finish. All right. Goodbye. All right. Yeah. See you guys. podcast was brought to you by the pitch drop podcast network like what you just heard support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pitch drop and while you're at it check out pitchdrop.net for more of this and other shows